This is a Stimulus Network podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cosmic Shed. I'm Andrew, and as you can probably hear, I've somewhat lost my voice, which is okay because I'm not really in this episode. But if you can remember back to when we did Ammonite, the film about Mary Anning, and had Kate Winslet on the podcast, we also had Anya from Mary Anning Rocks. And Mary Anning Rocks is a wonderful campaign to get Mary Anning remembered as she should be in Lyme Regis. And just in the last couple of weeks, we were delighted to be invited to the unveiling of the Mary Anning statue, which has been something of a labour of love for Anya and Evie from Mary Anning Rocks. You'll hear both of them in this podcast as Hannah Little represents the shed in Lyme Regis. We're on the, our way there now, and the reason you can hear me even though we're driving is because we are in an electric vehicle and it's very quiet in an electric vehicle and so I'm testing out if I can podcast while we're on the road uh, and my driver today is senior lecturer in science communication it's Dr Cathy Fawcett hello Cathy hello are you excited about the unveiling of Mary Anning I very much am yes very excited very excited um, we're going to see the statue be unveiled um, we're going to hear some um uh, speeches from some uh, invited guests, including um, the artist who built the, the statue. And uh, we're going to do some little interviews with people who've come to see the statue unveiled to see what the unveiling means um, to them. So it's going to be a jam-packed episode. And first we're going to hear from Mary Anning herself. Yes, it's Mary Anning here. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Thank you. This is... A great honour, and I must say a, a bit of a surprise. It has been only 175 years since my death, but you know, if we're talking fossil time and town council planning, that's nothing. <laughs> right? That's nothing. Because everyone here today knows how hard it is to get people to do things to listen to us, to part with money, to take us seriously, even if what we are offering is treasure, is a palpable curiosity or groundbreaking knowledge or the best story in the world. It feels like you're pushing apart tectonic plates. Oh yes, I've, I've got an education. <laughs> I am self-educated. And once again, it has taken the self-education and dogged determination of an 11-year-old local girl to bring the attention of a great treasure, if I say so myself, to a wider audience. I give you... Now, last time I saw her, she was hiding in the corner, but I give you Evie Swire. Now 15. We will point her out later on. But who, Edie Swire, who four years ago said to her mother Anya here, Mary Anning Ross, why isn't there a statue to Mary, honey? Thank you. <laughs> oh, finally. Well, 
muscle mad girls need to stick together because it is a fight to be heard even today with your mobile phones and your twitter it is a fight and evie and anya have fought hard for this day through false starts a world pandemic and a double booking for a wedding in the marine theater <laughs> to found a charity, pester the press, hound the council, to start a movement. Because you can't do things like this on your own, unless you're me, I just need a dog. Their charity, Marianning Rocks, has attracted a treasure trove of supporters and patrons. From Sir David Attenborough, novelist, yes, he couldn't be here today. You might see him out on the, on the walk later on. He prefers to be out there in the elements. Novelist Tracy Chevalier, Woo! one of my favorite ever fossils, Professor Hugh Torrens. And few men know more about me than he does. To seven-year-old Abigail, where is she? Future paleontologist, who I met, hello there, <laughs> who I met just a few weeks ago at the Fossil Festival, who dressed up as Mary Anning, as me for World Book Day. One thing unites us all in this pub, and that is passion. For the lovers of curiosities from seven to 87, our eyes trained to spot patterns in the chaos. To writers with the talent to turn that chaos into story. To the experts who see past the cold, hard facts, to the real heart of the subject. I've been inside some perfect storms, literally. And this is one of them. Our passion created something. Your passion created something. The image we unveil today is no ordinary statue. In fact, that is, that is just what it is. It is ordinary. Thanks to the vision of the artist you found, Denise Dutton. Now, where is she? Because where is Denise? And I say ordinary because this is no idealized, heavily cloaked, spotless version of me. This is me as I remember my life, setting off day after day under church cliff to black then, hammer in hand, tray the dog at my feet. It is simple, natural, armed against the elements, and it is an enormous achievement, giving Marianne a physical presence in Lyme Regis. And these things only happen when a perfect storm of people come together. For four years, Esther Yarnold, Brandon Lennon, Mike Harrison, Mike Jeffries, and Daryl Wakelam have been the constant stalwarts of this campaign, the quiet doers who have selflessly supported Evie and Anya along the way. So thank you all. And now raise your glasses to Evie and Anya and all those mentioned. Cheers. It gives me great pleasure to introduce the first paleontologist to actually name an ichthyosaur after me, Dr. Dean Lohan. Pleasure to actually meet a real Mary Oh, Thank you all very much for all your generosity in helping to make this tremendous day happen. Honestly, it's uh, 
means so much to me as a, as a young lad inspired by the story of Mary Annie, who I wanted to be a paleontologist growing up, learning about this incredible woman who discovered some of the most remarkable fossils in, in the world and, and set the world alight and fueling this, uh, this scientific revolution of, uh, of the major discoveries and ultimately helping to sculpt paleontology here in, in the UK and definitely placing Lyme Regis and indeed Britain on the world map for paleontology. Now I wanted to tell a little bit of a story as well, not to go off on a, on a tangent here, but of course my story and studying ichthyosaurs, I have spent my entire academic career of around about 14 years studying and following in the footsteps of Mary Anning, having the immense privilege of examining practically every single ichthyosaur specimen she ever found, at least that we know of. And in 2015, I, along with Professor Julie Masseri, were the first people to ever name an ichthyosaur after Mary Anning, Ichthyosaurus anningae. But the little story with that is that specimen was at Doncaster Museum and Art Gallery, where, when I first saw this, I was 18 years old, I went into the museum's collection, saw this specimen, and I was with the education officer who said to me, oh, this is a really interesting ichthyosaur theme that we have. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, let's have a look. Looked at it. Revealed this, they pulled up a sheet, revealed the ichthyosaur. I said, oh, it's a fantastic specimen. I said, oh, it's, it's a real one, this. It's clearly from Dorset. He said, no, it can't be real. Well, well why? Well, we let the children through. <laughs> I can't get it out of <laughs> We let children draw on the specimen. Do brass rubbings of the ribs. And I said, please stop. <laughs> this became the holotype, the founding specimen of ichthyosaurus anime. It's genuinely been a... And it's genuinely been an honor to, to follow in Mary's footsteps, but uh, primarily to, to really wrap this up real quick. Again, thank you all very much for your generosity in helping to make this uh, momentous day happen, and especially to, to Evie and Anya for your passion and drive and for never ever giving up on Mary Annie. Thank you. A world-famous author who shines a light on forgotten and unknown inspirational women. A remarkable creature herself who's written a best-selling book about me, Tracy Chevalier. It's a day when there's a shift in how we look at the past. If you think about all the statues you've looked at in small towns or Trafalgar Square or whatever, mostly they are of men, and mostly they are of men we don't even know. Um, that's because the people who put them up at that time thought that they were important. And our view of who is important and what is important changes over time. And I am so delighted that our vision of who is important has led us to this day to recognize that Mary Anning is indeed important in the history of this country, in the history of paleontology. To honor her, I'm going to, where are you, Mary? I'm going to read a short passage from the beginning of this book about your past when you were 18 months old. And you probably won't remember it, so I'm going to imagine it for you. And I'm not going to do a Dorset accent. I'm going to use my Dorset American tones. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. 
Lightning has struck me all my life. Just once was it real. I shouldn't remember it, for I was little more than a baby. But I do remember. I was in a field where there were horses and riders performing tricks. Then a storm blew in, and a woman, not my mom, picked me up and brought me under a tree. As she held me tight, I looked up and saw the pattern of black leaves against a white sky. Then there was a noise, like all the trees falling down around me, and a bright, bright light, which was like looking at the sun. A buzz ran right through me. It was as if I touched a hot coal, and I could smell singed flesh and sense there was pain, yet it weren't painful. I felt like a stocking turned inside out. Others began pulling at me and calling, but I couldn't make a sound. Was carried somewhere, then there was warmth all around, not a blanket, but wet. It was water, and I knew water. Our house was close to the sea. I could see it from our windows. Then I opened my eyes, and it feels like they haven't been shut since. The lightning killed the woman next to me, and the two girls standing next to her. But I survived. They say I was a quiet, sickly child before the storm, but after it, I grew up lively and alert. I cannot say if they're right, but the memory of that lightning still runs through me like a shiver. It marks powerful moments of my life, seeing the first crocodile skull Joe found, finding its body myself, discovering my other monsters on the beach. Other times, I'll feel the lightning strike and wonder why it's come. Sometimes I don't understand, but accept what the lightning tells me, for the lightning is me. It entered me when I was a baby and never left. I feel a jolt of echo of the lightning each time I find a fossil, a little jolt that says, yes, Marianne, you are different from all the rocks on the beach. That is why I'm a hunter, to feel that bolt of lightning and that difference every day. Welcome, Evie and Anya. Thank you so much for turning out today. Um, as you can imagine, it's quite overwhelming for a 14-year-old. But she was 10 years old when she did this. 10-year-old little girl, and I think when you're 10, you're a little bit more like feisty. And when you hit your teenage years, you're a bit more like, you know, paparazzi. Um, so she's going to join me on stage when we go down to do the unveil, so get to see Evie then. But just the people in this room have just been so instrumental. And that's, you know, from these amazing people that, that gave us their cash to the people who retweeted us, all those people made a huge, huge, big difference to this campaign. And it's not just within the UK. We have, you know, we've got people come all the way from the States. You know, Janet's flown in, you know. Hi, Janet. She was like our lone voice for a long time in the States um, for helping us. So thank you for that. Um, so it's just amazing. And it's, it's friends and family as well, you know, that support you get. So I've got a lot of friends and family here today. So I love you all, getting emotional, don't want to cry. So I'm going to just leave you all, thank you all, and see down the statue of Bill and Rose. Come and So I'm here with the mayor of Lyme Regis, and we're asking people today what the uh, statue means for them and, and what the statue means for Lyme Regis. I think, I think this statue is a remarkable uh, depiction of Mary Annie, um, who 
was a significant person to the town in that she was a real game changer in the science of paleontology. Um, she actually was full of determination and curiosity. And it's that curiosity that drove the revealing of the kind of fossils she found at a time in the, of the most difficult of circumstances, both in, in Lyme and her, per, her lifetime personally. Times were tough, um, but full credit. And, and I have to say, the location and the statue itself is quite remarkable. Um, the, the location is perfect. It's where she would have walked daily uh, close to the beach and found the fossils that she did and that's searching for them. Um, she's pointing towards Charmouth and the Jurassic Coast and what we call Black Ven, uh, which is where most of the, the movement of the cliffs happens. And those movement of cliffs reveal the fossils. There are fossils everywhere, but at Lyme and the Jurassic Cliffs, they're constantly slipping, so they reveal the fossils. And that's part of the, 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 uh, the ease, if you like, with which you can find them. Although I have to say, I've looked for many years and I've never found very many. No, no, but I don't really know quite what I'm looking for. Um, she did know her subject and remarkably well. Um, so it's a completely apt um, commemoration to Mary Anning. And she is a significant character within Lyme's thousand years history. And she sits alongside the likes of Duke of Monmouth, Charles II, Jane Austen, She's with all these people, and she's a very notable Lyme person for all the right reasons. And the fact that this science is gathering a lot of modern interest, and so it's completely timely. Oh, can I just also say full credit to Anya and the Mary Anning Rocks group. Their determination and their perseverance in getting the funding, uh, commissioning the sculptress, and actually producing the kind of result we've got. Very often these statues uh, can look, um, I'm, I'm trying to be diplomatic. This statue is absolutely perfect. The, 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 the skill of the sculptress and the detail in the depiction and the movement in the statue is remarkable. So I'm here with the artist of the Mary Anning statue. Do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Denise Dartmoor. Sculptor, sorry. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I'm asking people today what the statue means for them. And of course, you've got a more personal connection to it than almost anyone here. Well, yes, we're working on a day to day, constantly, day in, day out. It's been an absolute, I mean, it's been great because I knew a bit about her before. I knew a bit about her, sorry, before I, that I knew about this. Um, but it's only as children's stories and I've just learned so much more and living with her. And so I already had a bit of a vision how I wanted her to be, and that just went with the whole campaign. So it's it's been great, it really has, fabulous, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard a lot of good things. Well, I hope you like it, yeah. So I know we've kept her under wraps really, really well. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you think. I'm Sadie Norris. And I'm Yvonne Norris, and we are here on behalf of Friends of the Factories. And we're also part of a wider national group, which is Visible Women, that Mary Annans is also a, a, a part of as well. That's absolutely great. So um, what does the statue mean for you guys? Well, it's a, another woman being represented. So I think that's important for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, this campaign has been four or five years in the coming. And I think 
it's fantastic that it's going to be a great addition to the city but as, as Sadie rightly says it's about another woman's history being brought to the forefront so she's kind of she's kind of being taken off the top shelf dusted down and really being made available for everyone to enjoy and have you been down to the beach to look for some fossils yes definitely my sisters were trying to take most of the stones off the beach but we had to say no you, you can't do that they, they were very upset and so yeah you'll end up with no stones left yes great thank you so much we're here with some americans who've come all all the way from america uh, do you want to introduce yourself certainly i'm janet schmidt from wisconsin my son ben is with me brilliant um and so you've come all the way just for the statue, or are you just on holiday and thought you'd stop this is This is my fourth trip in about three and a half years. I loved the area when I learned about it. I started coming, um, especially because of hearing about the beginning of Mary Anning Rocks in late 2017, early 2018. Great. So I became a supporter that way, right away. And where does your interest in, in Mary Anning come from? Um, just hearing about it and then reading Tracy Chevalier's book and then doing research for all the information so yes and what does the statue the new statue mean for you just educational because just in the last couple of days we've met people who are here who don't know what's going on yes. and barely know who mary anning is do you live in lime regis no oh. the u.s oh right yes 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 but what a delight that you've made it to see uh, the unveiling really had to yeah. Really had to. So I've got one of Mary's ancestors here. Do you want to tell us who you are? Hi, my name's Gemma Larder. Uh, Mary Annings is my fifth great-grand-aunt. Wow. Uh, and how did you find out she was your great-aunt? Um, been doing my ancestry since my father passed two years ago. Um, I'm only from Bridport myself, so I'm not too far away. Um, and there's a, a lot of connections through my family history in Lyme Regis and Devon itself. Great. Uh, and so you've come all the way to Lyme Regis today for the unveiling of the statue. I have, yes. yes. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. What does the statue mean to you? It just means a lot of empowerment to people that didn't have a lot of money back in those days. Like my family, we still don't have a lot of money, so we just keep going. Yeah, she's you know, a real working class hero. Yes, a humble family who deserves to have her her time in the, you know, in the science out there for everyone to see. Absolutely incredible. After the speeches, me and Cathy made our way to the Lyme Regis Museum, where we caught up with Tom Sharp, who's written a book about Mary Anning called The Fossil Woman. What I'm focusing on now, and the reason I'm doing some research in the museum here, and I'm going to Dorchester next week, um, is to try and find out a little bit more about what people thought of her. And trying to find references to her in other people's letters is really hard. Um, but I've always had an interest in Mary Anning and the geologists of this area because mm -hmm. I used to be curator of paleontology in the National Museum of Wales in Cardiff and there we have the archive of Henry de la Beach who was a friend of Mary Anning's lived here in Lyme Regis um, and he, he worked on ichthyosaurs in the, the 1820s and was involved in some of the early descriptions uh, with William Dunn Cornibier. I tried try to sort of fill out a picture of her as a woman um, she certainly had personal relationships and there was something happened in the 1820s, the mid-1820s, and it went wrong mm -hmm. and she bore a bit of a grudge for a while. And some people suggested, and I did it one time back in the 1980s, that there may have been a liaison between Henry de la Beach and Mary Annie because de la Beach went out to Jamaica where he had a slave plantation that he'd inherited 
Um, he was out there for a year, came back, and his wife had had an affair, and so they kind of separated. Um, and it's the rights of the date, but I don't think so because the evidence that we have, which is pretty scant, suggests that in the late 1820s, um, Mary was still quite bitter about this, um, but she speaks of Henry de la Beach in quite friendly and glowing terms. You're my old friend, Mr. de la Beach. What you know? made, can I start at the time? Presumably there were lots of working class fossil hunters who collected fossils, who sold them to people, who sold them to museums. What made her different? She, she was the most experienced, the most knowledgeable and expert of them. Um, I mean, there weren't, there weren't a lot. I mean, certainly the, the tradition um, really begins in Dorset, in Charmouth, because Charmouth is on the stagecoach route from London to Exeter, and the coaches stopped there, and the locals would find fossils and try and flog them to the tourists and visitors passing through as souvenirs. Um, and it's only in the 1790s that it really moves to Lyme, and the main collector in Lyme Regis is uh, Richard Anning. But there are others that there's... Um, Who was her father? Who was her father, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and he, he becomes quite well-known and quite well-respected. Uh, there are letters and comments about some of the collectors in um, Charmouth being unreliable. Um, you know, you, you've got to sort of buy him a pint and, and pay him a, a deposit to make sure that he doesn't flog it to somebody else for more money if they find a specimen. Um, and then Richard Anning passes his knowledge on to Mary. The thing about Mary Anning was she was exceptionally bright. And whether that had anything to do with being struck by lightning or not, I don't know. But there are instances recorded where a sudden shock like that, um, especially a head injury, um, it's called sudden savant syndrome. And you suddenly, hmm. you know, it's a change in personality. Yes, no. Become a superhero. Yeah, we're still doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just want to ask you one last question, which is, you're you're going to see the statue unveiled today. Yes. And what does the statue mean to you? Oh, I think it's fantastic to see her, and especially where she is, because she's. I, I went down to see her this morning, first thing, um, all wrapped up, um, and she's actually. I mean, here's a study of the back of her neck. She, she's walking where she would have walked. She's on church cliffs heading for the foreshore, heading for Black Ven, where she found lots of our really famous specimens. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I've been following on Twitter, I've been following the pictures that have been posted uh, by the, the, the statue campaign, and I'm really looking forward to seeing her in person. And now, to end the episode, the musician Iona Lane has given us permission to share with you the gorgeous song that she played at the event, called Mary Anning. Begins with a story Poor child who's struck by lightning Nothing special to show this world She will explore and make her name Told by her father That stones to crack and bones to track So search the silence never harder They sow their curiosity She sells seashells by the seashore Shells she sells her seashells I'm sure Fortune placed an inspiration of what she might one day become a woman of knowledge and independence with books her path has now become
so much to Hannah Little, Dr. Hannah Little, should I say, and everybody for joining us for this episode of The Cosmic Shed. We'll be back very soon because speaking of being delighted to be invited to things, we've been invited to the Leicester Square premiere of Lightyear and to interview Tim Peake about it. I can't do that because of my voice, but somebody from The Shed will get involved in that and we'll bring you that episode very soon. And thank you very much. For listening. The Cosmic Shed. Science fact. Science fiction. And everything in between. This podcast is brought to you by the Stimulus Network.